the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome. John Harrison here. Want to wish you a very... Merry Christmas, excuse me, a very Merry Christmas. Hope you all are having a great Christmas Eve. Soapy and Stacy are away from the studio tonight. They're with their families and uh, celebrating tomorrow's gift, the greatest gift ever given to man, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the show. Tonight, we're going to be doing something that we've done a couple of other times if, if you've been listening this month. When they're away from the studio, we play some of the week's readings, and this week started off with uh, some readings from Leviticus, and then ended in Matthew. So we're gonna we're gonna hear from Matthew a little later, but Leviticus is gonna kick us off tonight. Soapy and Stacy say that they're gonna be back next week. Next week is is New Year's Eve as we uh, roll into. 2024. I wish all of y'all a very, very prosperous 2024, and I hope uh, I hope tomorrow is just a, a blessing for you. And speaking of blessings, Soapy Dollar, here he is in the book of Leviticus. Let's wrap that up on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Now Leviticus will be completing that book tonight. But first, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment. The beautiful Psalm 27 has been put to music. God offers help for today and hope for the future. That's our message tonight on The Bible Light. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord protects me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to destroy me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will know no fear. Even if they attack me, I remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. 
singing and praising the Lord with music. Listen to my pleading, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not hide yourself from me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the path of honesty, for my enemies are waiting for me to fall. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done and breathe out violence against me. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. End of reading Psalm 27. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Such a wonderful truth from the scriptures over and over and over again. It seems like in every book, it seems like almost in every chapter, there is some admonition about humbling ourselves and that God lifts up the brokenhearted, the contrite, the repentant, the broken, not the proud and the arrogant, the self-sufficient. Perhaps one of the major principles repeated constantly throughout the scriptures. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is The Bible Live, and tonight we're going to be completing the book of Leviticus. We're going to pick up in chapter 25. This book has talked to us principally about God's holiness. The festivals, religious rituals, sacrifices, the tabernacle itself, the portable worship center, the way it's built. There's so much there that tells them about their God. And holiness, holiness, holiness keeps being repeated. He is separate and apart from every other being. There is no other being like the Lord. Some people think of Satan as God's opposite number, the yin and the yang, the good and evil that exists. That couldn't be further from the truth. Satan is a created being under judgment, entirely and totally under the control of God the Creator. And God uses him even in his rebellion. He uses failed human beings and rebellious human beings as well. The same principle goes there. God is one and alone. He is God all by himself, as some folks say. That's what the word holy means, set apart. God is the infinity plus one. Whatever else there is, God is infinitely beyond and separate. He is holy. That not only goes for his essence, but also for his character. He is entirely and totally set apart in his moral perfection. That is the message, but it's come out in practicalities. God is expressing it in the ways that we can understand in our world. What would that mean? And he talks about the way we treat our fellow man, about the way we do business if we're honest, if we're generous. Now, the Bible places great emphasis on assisting the poor and the helpless, especially orphans and widows and the handicapped. In the Israelite society, no paid work was available to women. Thus, a widow and her children had no livelihood. There was no work available for the seriously handicapped in this nation of farmers and shepherds. The poor were helped without charging any interest. 
Individuals and family responsibility for the poor was crucial since there was no government aid. None of this should be interpreted government-wise. You and I are to help our neighbors and our friends and our family members. That's a lesson we so need to learn in these troubled times today. Let's go now to our Bible Live reading tonight from the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 25:35 through 27:34. Leviticus 25. If any of your Israelite relatives fall into poverty and cannot support themselves, support them as you would a resident foreigner and allow them to live with you. Do not demand an advance or charge interest on the money you lend them. Instead, show your fear of God by letting them live with you as your relatives. Remember, do not charge your relatives interest on anything you lend them, whether money or food. I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you out of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If any of your Israelite relatives go bankrupt and sell themselves to you, do not treat them as slaves. Treat them instead as hired servants or as resident foreigners who live with you, and they will serve you only until the year of Jubilee. At that time, they and their children will no longer be obligated to you, and they will return to their clan and ancestral property. The people of Israel are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, so they must never be sold as slaves. Show your fear of God by treating them well. Never exercise your power over them in a ruthless way. However, you may purchase male or female slaves from among the foreigners who live among you. You may also purchase the children of such resident foreigners, including those who have been born in your land. You may treat them as your property, passing them on to your children as a permanent inheritance. You may treat your slaves like this, but the people of Israel, your relatives, must never be treated this way. If a resident foreigner becomes rich, and if some of your Israelite relatives go bankrupt and sell themselves to such a foreigner, they still retain the right of redemption. They may be bought back by a close relative, an uncle, a nephew, or anyone else who is closely related. They may also redeem themselves if they can get the money. The price of their freedom will be based on the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee, whatever it would cost to hire a servant for that number of years. If many years still remain, they will repay most of what they received when they sold themselves. If only a few years remain until the year of Jubilee, then they will repay a relatively small amount for their redemption. The foreigners must treat them as servants hired on a yearly basis. You must not allow a resident foreigner to treat any of your Israelite relatives ruthlessly. If any Israelites have not been redeemed by the time the year of Jubilee arrives, then they and their children must be set free at that time. For the people of Israel are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I, the Lord, am your God. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 26. Do not make idols or set up carved images, sacred pillars, or shaped stones to be worshipped in your land. I, the Lord, am your God. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you keep my laws and are careful to obey my commands, I will send the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops and the trees will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will extend until the grape harvest, and your grape harvest will extend until it is time to plant grain again. You will eat your fill and live securely in your land. I will give you peace in the land, and you will be able to sleep without fear. I will remove the wild animals from your land and protect you from your enemies. In fact, you will chase down all your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. All your enemies will fall beneath the blows of your weapons. I will look favorably upon you and multiply your people and fulfill my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to get rid of the leftovers from the previous year to make room for each new harvest. I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. 
I, the Lord, am your God, who brought you from the land of Egypt, so you would no longer be slaves. I have lifted the yoke of slavery from your neck, so you can walk free with your heads held high. However, if you do not listen to me or obey my commands, and if you break my covenant by rejecting my laws and treating my regulations with contempt, I will punish you. You will suffer from sudden terrors, with wasting diseases and with burning fevers, causing your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I will turn against you, and you will be defeated by all your enemies. They will rule over you, and you will run even when no one is chasing you. And if, in spite of this, you still disobey me, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. I will break down your arrogant spirit by making the skies above as unyielding as iron and the earth beneath as hard as bronze. All your work will be for nothing, for your land will yield no crops and your trees will bear no fruit. If even then you remain hostile toward me and refuse to obey, I will inflict you with seven more disasters for your sins. I will release wild animals that will kill your children and destroy your cattle. So your numbers will dwindle and your roads will be deserted. And if you fail to learn a lesson from this and continue your hostility toward me, then I myself will be hostile toward you, and I will personally strike you seven times over for your sins. I will send armies against you to carry out these covenant threats. If you flee to your cities, I will send a plague to destroy you there, and you will be conquered by your enemies. I will completely destroy your food supply, so the bread from one oven will have to be stretched to feed ten families. They will ration your food by weight, and even if you have food to eat, you will not be satisfied. If after this you still refuse to listen and still remain hostile toward me, then I will give full vent to my hostility. I will punish you seven times over for your sins. You will eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. I will destroy your pagan shrines and cut down your incense altars. I will leave your corpses piled up beside your lifeless idols, and I will despise you. I will make your cities desolate and destroy your places of worship, and I will take no pleasure in your offerings of incense. Yes, I myself will devastate your land. Your enemies who come to occupy it will be utterly shocked at the destruction they see. I will scatter you among the nations and attack you with my own weapons. Your land will become desolate and your cities will lie in ruins. Then at last the land will make up for its missed Sabbath years as it lies desolate during your years of exile in the land of your enemies. Then the land will finally rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As the land lies in ruins, it will take the rest you never allowed it to take every seventh year while you lived in it. And for those of you who survive, I will demoralize you in the land of your enemies far away. You will live there in such constant fear that the sound of a leaf driven by the wind will send you fleeing. You will run as though chased by a warrior with a sword, and you will fall even when no one is pursuing you. Yes, though no one is chasing you, you will stumble over each other in flight, as though fleeing in battle. You will have no power to stand before your enemies. You will die among the foreign nations and be devoured in the land of your enemies. Those still left alive will rot away in enemy lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. But at last, my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. Finally, when I have given full expression to my hostility and have brought them to the land of their enemies, then at last their disobedient hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, with Isaac, and with Abraham, and I will remember the land.
and the land will enjoy its years of Sabbath rest, as it lies deserted. At last the people will receive the due punishment for their sins, for they rejected my regulations and despised my laws. But despite all this, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they are in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out. I, the Lord, am their God. I will remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of Egypt while all the nations watched. I, the Lord, am their God. These are the laws, regulations, and instructions that the Lord gave to the Israelites through Moses on Mount Sinai. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Leviticus 27. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the Israelites. If you make a special vow to dedicate someone to the Lord by paying the value of that person, here is the scale of values to be used. A man between the ages of 20 and 60 is valued at 50 pieces of silver. A woman of that age is valued at 30 pieces of silver. A boy between 5 and 20 is valued at 20 pieces of silver. A girl of that age is valued at 10 pieces of silver. A boy between the ages of one month and five years is valued at five pieces of silver. A girl of that age is valued at three pieces of silver. A man older than 60 is valued at 15 pieces of silver. A woman older than 60 is valued at 10 pieces of silver. If you desire to make such a vow but cannot afford to pay the prescribed amount, go to the priest and he will evaluate your ability to pay. You will then pay the amount decided by the priest. If your vow involves giving a clean animal, one that is acceptable as an offering to the Lord, then your gift to the Lord will be considered holy. The animal should never be exchanged or substituted for another, neither a good animal for a bad one nor a bad animal for a good one. But if such an exchange is in fact made, then both the original animal and the substitute will be considered holy. But if your vow involves an unclean animal, one that is not acceptable as an offering to the Lord, then you must bring the animal to the priest. He will assess its value, and his assessment will be final. If you want to redeem the animal, you must pay the value set by the priest, plus 20%. If you dedicate a house to the Lord, the priest must come to assess its value. The priest's assessment will be final. If you wish to redeem the house, you must pay the value set by the priest, plus 20%. Then the house will again belong to you. If you dedicate to the Lord a piece of your ancestral property, its value will be assessed by the amount of seed required to plant it, 50 pieces of silver for an area that produces five bushels of barley seed. If the field is dedicated to the Lord in the year of Jubilee, then the entire assessment will apply. But if the field is dedicated after the year of Jubilee, the priest must assess the land's value in proportion to the years left until the next year of Jubilee. If you decide to redeem the dedicated field, you must pay the land's value as assessed by the priest, plus 20%. Then the field will again belong to you. But if you decide not to redeem the field, or if the field is sold to someone else by the priests, it can never be redeemed. When the field is released in the year of Jubilee, it will be holy, a field specially set apart for the Lord. It will become the property of the priests. If you dedicate to the Lord a field that you have purchased, but which is not part of your ancestral property, the priest must assess its value based on the years until the next year of Jubilee. You must then give the assessed value of the land as a sacred donation to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field will be released to the original owner from whom you purchased it. All the value assessments must be measured in terms of the standard sanctuary shekel. You may not dedicate to the Lord the firstborn of your cattle or sheep because the firstborn of these animals already belong to him. However, if it is the firstborn of a ceremonially unclean animal... You may redeem it by paying the priest's assessment of its worth, plus 20%.
If you do not redeem it, the priest may sell it to someone else for its assessed value. However, anything specially set apart by the Lord, whether a person, an animal, or an inherited field, must never be sold or redeemed. Anything devoted in this way has been set apart for the Lord as holy. A person specially set apart by the Lord for destruction cannot be redeemed. Such a person must be put to death. A tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. If you want to redeem the Lord's tenth of the fruit or grain, you must pay its value plus 20%. The Lord also owns every tenth animal counted off from your herds and flocks. They are set apart to Him as holy. The tenth animal must not be selected on the basis of whether it is good or bad, and no substitutions will be allowed. If any exchange is in fact made, then both the original animal and the substituted one will be considered holy and cannot be redeemed. These are the commands that the Lord gave to the Israelites through Moses on Mount Sinai. End of reading Leviticus 25:35 through 27:34. Well, there you go. That's the end of our Leviticus reading for this evening. We're going to be getting into Matthew just after the break coming up in just a moment. Hope y'all are having a wonderful uh, Christmas Eve tonight. A chance to be with family, friends, uh I know my family, they're having tamales and rice and beans, and and they went to, to church. I went to church this morning. I knew I was going to be working tonight, so I went to church. Uh, I'm Episcopalian, went to church at the 10 o'clock service, and it was, it was very nice just to, be, just to be in church at this holy, one of the holiest times of the year as we anticipate the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, stay tuned. We've got more coming up. As I say, we're going into the book of Matthew, getting a little uh, closer to uh, this time of year, if you know what I mean. And uh, just around the corner on the other side of the break, I've got something special for you. Soapy Dollar is going to sing. Now, I know some of you have heard him sing. You've heard me play recordings of him singing. He He's a uh, well, what he's done is he's taken some traditional Christmas songs, secular maybe, and, you know, like a Jingle Bells or a Winter Wonderland, and he has done what he calls baptizing them and giving them Christian lyrics. It's quite interesting and very uplifting, so stay tuned. You're going to get to hear one of those baptized Christmas songs in just a moment. You're listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show. Don't go anywhere. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That
I'm the person who puts on these commercials. I'm the person who gets the bumper music and all that great stuff. So it's, it's, it's a small part of this ministry, but I, I love it. And speaking of loving something, this is such a great song. And I like, this is Jewel singing it. And I love her version. If you've ever heard her Christmas album, it's, it's really good. She also does a great uh, Go Tell It on the Mountain, if you ever get a chance to listen to that. Well, welcome back. As I promised earlier, we are going to be getting into the book of Matthew. But first, we're going to be listening to our very own Soapy Dollar. He, he's not just the host of the show. He's the creator of the show. And this is the 23rd year uh, he's going to be going through the Bible. And uh, for any newbies out there who are new to the program... If you, uh, around November, let's say, he will go go back to the beginning of the Bible, and over the course of the year, that means Genesis, of course. But going uh, through the course of the year, he will have read the entire Bible. Now, the readings are on his website at BibleLive.com. Again, that's BibleLive.com, or you can thebiblelive.com. That doesn't matter either way. And you'll find the week's readings. And then on Sunday, you come here, you tune us in, however you do it, whether you're online, you're listening to KSLR in San Antonio, Texas, uh, maybe on, on a streaming service or something, you know, Alexa or whatever. However you're doing it, you, you, you tune us in and Soapy and his wonderful daughter, Stacy will be on the air uh discussing that week's readings and asking questions and usually people can call in and ask questions make comments about the readings or just in general about any kind of uh, christian related uh, topic uh, that is uh, on their weighing on their heart and so uh, soapy and stacy uh, are with their family tonight uh, it's christmas eve of course we hope you're with your family or friends and having a wonderful evening getting some good food some good uh uh some good conversation you know just having fun being with people who are, who are near and dear to you well soapy is 
near and dear to us here uh, uh, here around the office. And the, uh, as I promised a while ago, here is one of Soapy's baptized Christmas songs. Enjoy. Take the world with its glitter, without love, cold and bitter. I'll follow the one who's God's only son, walking with my Jesus hand in hand. Gone away is the old strife, here to stay is a new life. We sing and we smile, mile after mile, walking with my Jesus hand in hand. Once I trod the path of sin and sorrow, living for the things that pass away. I find bright hope for each tomorrow. Jesus came and changed the night today. In my heart, there's a new song I can sing all the day long. Through sunshine or rain, he's always the same. Walking with my Jesus hand in hand. Walking with my Jesus hand in hand. Walking with my Jesus hand in hand. That lovely that's really really good especially christmas eve well let's just jump right back into the readings this is the second reading for the evening it's from the book of matthew here's soapy dollar to help help us make it through on the bible live quiz show we're ready to get into a brand new book of the Bible tonight. We just finished last night the first three books, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, of the Pentateuch, the Torah, the books of the law, the books of Moses, <laughs> different names that are given to those first five books of the Bible. And now we turn to the New Testament, that portion of the scriptures that have to do with Messiah. The Old Testament, of course, has to do with Messiah as well, as it points forward to this one who would come, this Savior, this Redeemer, this righteous branch, so many different titles and positions given to the Messiah in the Old Testament, over 300 specific prophecies about his life. And then, of course, when he was born and came into the world, it was easy to recognize him because he fulfilled all 300 plus of those prophecies. We begin tonight with the first book of the New Testament the book of Matthew. Just as we come into the Christmas season, we turn to the New Testament to read about Messiah, to read about his life, his ministry, and his work of redemption. He reveals to us more about God, about the Father, truth about our lives, about the world in which we live. But most importantly, there is that crucial work of redemption by which you and I can be eternally reconciled to God, the Creator. That is the focus of the life and ministry of Messiah. Tonight, our reading from the book of Matthew. But first, as always, we turn to our Wisdom and Worship segment as we jump forward in the Bible to go to the book of Matthew. We jump forward to Psalm 140. It is a prayer of David for protection against those who slander or threaten you. Let's listen to the Bible live. Psalm 140. O Lord, rescue me from evil people. Preserve me from those who are violent, those who plot evil in their hearts and stir up trouble all day long. Their tongues sting like a snake. The poison of a viper drips from their lips. O Lord, keep me out of the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from those who are violent, for they are plotting against me. The proud have set a trap to catch me. They have stretched out a net. 
They have placed traps all along the way. I said to the Lord, You are my God. Listen, O Lord, to my cries for mercy. O Sovereign Lord, my strong Savior, You protected me on the day of battle. Lord, do not give in to their evil desires. Do not let their evil schemes succeed, O God. Let my enemies be destroyed by the very evil they have planned for me. Let burning coals fall down on their heads, or throw them into the fire, or into deep pits from which they can't escape. Don't let liars prosper here in our land. Cause disaster to fall with great force on the violent. But I know the Lord will surely help those they persecute. He will maintain the rights of the poor. Surely the godly are praising your name, for they will live in your presence. End of reading, Psalm 140. Listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. As you know, people complain a little about the number of genealogies in the Old Testament. What do all those names mean? Why are they so important? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but a lot of that is because of this promise that the Messiah was to come through the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Messiah was to come through the people of Israel. Matthew, this gospel, starts off with the birth and preparations for Jesus the Messiah, beginning with the genealogy to prove that Jesus is a descendant of both King David and Abraham, just as the Old Testament predicted. So we'll read that tonight in the book of Matthew, here on The Bible Live. Matthew 1, 1 through 5:48. Matthew 1. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of King David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Their mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. His mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed. His mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. His mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asaph. Asaph was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amos. Amos was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiakim and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiakim was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. 
Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to King David, and 14 from David's time to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, being a just man, decided to break the engagement quietly, so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 2. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah would be born, he asked them. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to the wise men, asking them to come see him. At this meeting he learned the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother, Mary, were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way, because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said, because Herod is going to try to kill the child. That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he learned that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, because the wise men had told him the star first appeared to them about two years earlier. Herod's brutal action fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. A cry of anguish is heard in Ramah, weeping and mourning unrestrained. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and told him, Get up and take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph returned immediately to Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid. Then in another dream he was warned to go to Galilee. 
So they went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets concerning the Messiah. He will be called a Nazarene. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist began preaching in the Judean wilderness. His message was, Turn from your sins and turn to God, because the kingdom of heaven is near. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare a pathway for the Lord's coming. Make a straight road for him. John's clothes were woven from camel hair, and he wore a leather belt. His food was locust and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from every section of Judea and from all over the Jordan Valley went out to the wilderness to hear him preach. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be baptized, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming judgment? Prove by the way you live that you have really turned from your sins and turned to God. Don't just say, we're safe, we're the descendants of Abraham. That proves nothing. God can change these stones here into children of Abraham. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever your roots. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who turn from their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is far greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the grain with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, storing the grain in his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John didn't want to baptize him. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it must be done, because we must do everything that is right. So then John baptized him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, and I am fully pleased with him. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he ate nothing and became very hungry. Then the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, change these stones into loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say he orders his angels to protect you, and they will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, Do not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the nations of the world and all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will only kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God, serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and cared for Jesus. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. But instead of going to Nazareth, he went to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. 
And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Turn from your sins and turn to God, because the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little farther up the shore he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching everywhere the good news about the kingdom. And he healed people who had every kind of sickness and disease. News about him spread far beyond the borders of Galilee, so that the sick were soon coming to be healed from as far away as Syria. And whatever their illness and pain, or if they were possessed by demons, or were epileptics, or were paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 5. One day, as the crowds were gathering, Jesus went up the mountainside with his disciples and sat down to teach them. This is what he taught them. God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are gentle and lowly, for the whole earth will belong to them. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will receive it in full. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when you are mocked and persecuted and lied about because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted too. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to fulfill them. I assure you, until heaven and earth disappear, even the smallest detail of God's law will remain until its purpose is achieved. So if you break the smallest commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless you obey God better than the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees do, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven at all. You have heard that the law of Moses says, do not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are standing before the altar in the temple, offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, 
Leave your sacrifice there beside the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Come to terms quickly with your enemy before it is too late and you are dragged into court, handed over to an officer, and thrown in jail. I assure you that you won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. You have heard that the law of Moses says do not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even if it is your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even if it is your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard that the law of Moses says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a letter of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that the law of Moses says, Do not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say, don't make any vows. If you say, by heaven, it is a sacred vow because heaven is God's throne. And if you say, by the earth, it is a sacred vow because the earth is his footstool. And don't swear by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even swear by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Your word is enough. To strengthen your promise with a vow shows that something is wrong. You have heard that the law of Moses says, If an eye is injured, injure the eye of the person who did it. If a tooth gets knocked out, knock out the tooth of the person who did it. But I say don't resist an evil person. If you are slapped on the right cheek, turn the other too. If you are ordered to court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard that the law of Moses says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. End of reading, Matthew 1, 1 through 548. I pray on Christmas. I pray on Christmas too, Harry. Harry Connick Jr., a little New Orleans flavor going through here. Well, there you go. We're in the book of Matthew. We've got another reading coming up on the flip side of this break, so stay tuned. You're listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show.
Welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. I'm John Harrison, taking over the mic from Soapy and Stacy as they celebrate the coming of the Lord this Christmas Eve 2023. Hope you're having a wonderful night. Thank you for spending part of your Christmas Eve with us here. Uh, we really appreciate it. You're, uh, we, we, I know Soapy loves his listeners, and he loves talking to them on the phone, on the show and stuff. And hopefully you'll get a chance to uh, talk to him or at least listen to him when he and Stacy return next week live here in the studio for another Bible Live quiz show. Hey, uh, one of the things I love doing at Christmas time is we're flooded. Television is flooded with all these great uh, Christmas specials, usually aimed at families, kids. You've got the classics like the Rudolph the Redner's Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman. A Year Without a Santa Claus, The Grinch, maybe some newer ones like Shrek the Halls or whatever. whatever. So I was I was asking myself recently, are there any holiday specials like that that address the birth of Christ? And I, I thought about that. I pondered it. And I came up with three. Maybe I'm missing one. You know, maybe you know one that I that I'm leaving out here. But the Peanuts Christmas special, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown asks that question. He cries out, does anyone know what Christmas really means? And Linus steps up to the spotlight and proceeds to quote the Bible. Some Bible verses about the birth of Jesus. And then Rankin and Bass, they did the little drummer boy and one called Nestor the Long-Eared Christmas Donkey. If you've never seen it, Nestor, this donkey with long ears, Roger Miller narrates that one. And uh, he's ostracized. He's just discarded. And his mother passes away. She dies trying to protect him. And so it seems really kind of sad at first, but he ends up being the donkey that Mary and Joseph use on their trip to Bethlehem for the birth. Yeah, it's it's very, 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 very lovely. Just thought I'd throw that out there. If you get a chance to see Nestor this holiday season, uh, yeah, take it. It's, it's, a, it's a nice little production. All three of those are. Well, we're going to get back into the book of Matthew here. Here's Soapy Dollar on the Bible Live quiz show. Itself. Not my views of the Bible. I hope you heard me correctly. The Bible itself, that's what we're reading through. And tonight, we have just begun, this week, the Gospel of Matthew. We've read Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, and now we come to the New Testament, starting with the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, this converted Jew, a tax collector, a Levite, and he wrote this record of what he saw and observed and what he lived as he followed Jesus the Messiah in his three to three and a half years of life and ministry in Israel. Last night we read of his birth and the beginnings of his ministry. Tonight we're going to be picking up right there at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew presents Jesus as the king. 
his presentation of Jesus is unashamedly and very overtly Jewish. He talks about Jesus being the Messiah, the righteous branch, that king that was long promised for the nation of Israel. Of course, we understand he is the king of spiritual Israel, all of God's people. And in chapter 5, we began the Sermon on the Mount, and that's where we'll pick up tonight in the middle of that Sermon on the Mount. We'll get to that in just a moment. But as always, we begin our Bible line presentation with a reading from the Psalms and the Proverbs. Tonight we come to a Psalm of David, a prayer for help when facing temptation. Psalm 141. O Lord, I am calling to you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and keep my lips sealed. Don't let me lust for evil things. Don't let me participate in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do evil. Let the godly strike me. It will be a kindness. If they reprove me, it is a soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. But I am in constant prayer against the wicked and their deeds. When their leaders are thrown down from a cliff, they will listen to my words and find them pleasing. Even as a farmer breaks up the soil and brings up rocks, so the bones of the wicked will be scattered without a decent burial. I look to you for help, O sovereign Lord. You are my refuge. Don't let them kill me. Keep me out of the traps they have set for me, out of the snares of those who do evil. Let the wicked fall into their own snares, but let me escape. End of reading, Psalm 141. Oh, you better get right just as fast as you can. Wash your sin in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is coming again. He's making a list in his book of life. He's going to see who has eternal life. Jesus Christ is coming again. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. He knows when you're uptight. So let's walk in Jesus' light. Oh, you better get right just as fast as you can. Wash your sin in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is coming again. There you have it. What we call a converted Christmas carols, secular songs that someone years ago we discovered had written Christ-centered, God-honoring lyrics to them. And we like to put them out and let you hear them this time of the year. There are about four or five of them. I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas becomes Come See This One They Call Jesus. Others as well, you can hear them at our website, thebiblelive.com, or you can see them and print down the lyrics if you'd like, thebiblelive.com. Right now, though, let's stop focusing on Jesus coming again, and let's read about his coming the very first time. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, picking up now in chapter 6, deep into Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving this on a hillside near Capernaum. It probably covered several days of teaching and preaching. It challenged the proud, legalistic, religious leaders of the day. There will be lots of principles. We start out with giving, prayer, and fasting. Lots of instructions and guidelines for us on the Bible life. Matthew 6, 1 through 9, 38. Matthew 6. Take care. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, because then you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give a gift to someone in need, don't shout about it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I assure you they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone, don't tell your left hand what your right hand is doing. 
Give your gifts in secret, and your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. And now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them because your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us our food for today. And forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, who try to look pale and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I assure you that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will suspect you are fasting except your Father, who knows what you do in secret. And your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty, and where they will be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Your eye is a lamp for your body. A pure eye lets sunshine into your soul, but an evil eye shuts out the light and plunges you into darkness. If the light you think you have is really darkness, how deep that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your Heavenly Father feeds them, and you are far more valuable to Him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for Him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 7 Stop judging others and you will not be judged, for others will treat you as you treat them. Whatever measure you use in judging others, it will be used to measure how you are judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! 
First, get rid of the log from your own eye, then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't give what is holy to unholy people. Don't give pearls to swine. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the door is opened to everyone who knocks. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Do for others what you would like them to do for you. This is a summary of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small, and the road is narrow, and only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really wolves that will tear you apart. You can detect them by the way they act, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit. You don't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A healthy tree produces good fruit, and an unhealthy tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. On judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Go away. The things you did were unauthorized. Anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will fall with a mighty crash. After Jesus finished speaking, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught as one who had real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 8. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached Jesus. He knelt before him, worshiping. Lord, the man said, if you want to, you can make me well again. Jesus touched him. I want to, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, Go right over to the priest and let him examine you. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy, so everyone will have proof of your healing. When Jesus arrived in Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and racked with pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. 
I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this or that, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be cast into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go on home. What you have believed has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. All the spirits fled when he commanded them to leave, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. When Jesus noticed how large the crowd was growing, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you no matter where you go. But Jesus said, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests. But I, the Son of Man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me now. Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a terrible storm came up, with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went to him and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus answered, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he stood up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly all was calm. The disciples just sat there in awe. Who is this? they asked themselves. Even the wind and waves obey him. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the land of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They lived in a cemetery and were so dangerous that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him, Why are you bothering us, Son of God? You have no right to torture us before God's appointed time. A large herd of pigs was feeding in the distance, so the demons begged, If you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby city telling everyone what happened to the demon-possessed men. The entire town came out to meet Jesus, but they begged him to go away and leave them alone. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 9. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Blasphemy! This man talks like he is God, some of the teachers of religious law said among themselves. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why are you thinking such evil thoughts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? I will prove that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, take your mat, and go on home, because you are healed. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen right before their eyes. 
They praised God for sending a man with such great authority. As Jesus was going down the road, he saw Matthew sitting at his tax collection booth. Come, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. That night, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to be his dinner guests, along with his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners. The Pharisees were indignant. Why does your teacher eat with such scum, they asked his disciples. When he heard this, Jesus replied, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. For I have come to call sinners, not those who think they are already good enough. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus responded, Should the wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Some day he will be taken from them, and then they will fast. And who would patch an old garment with unshrunk cloth? For the patch shrinks and pulls away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger hole than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. The old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. That way both the wine and the wineskins are preserved. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt down before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand upon her. As Jesus and the disciples were going to the official's home, a woman who had had a hemorrhage for twelve years came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around and said to her, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he noticed the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. He said, Go away, for the girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. When the crowd was finally outside, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us! They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. And suddenly they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, Don't tell anyone about this. But instead they spread his fame all over the region. When they left, some people brought to him a man who couldn't speak because he was possessed by a demon. So Jesus cast out the demon and instantly the man could talk. The crowds marveled. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. But the Pharisees said he can cast out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. Jesus traveled through all the cities and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of disease and illness. He felt great pity for the crowds that came, because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers for his field. End of reading, Matthew 6.
That's the end of our reading this evening. I'm John Harrison. It's been my pleasure to be here with you tonight on this wonderful 2023 Christmas Eve. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Join us next Sunday. It'll be New Year's Eve as we get ready for a new year. Have a great night. Merry Christmas. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.